2: Welcome to Nevada Wild, brought to you by the Nevada Department of Wildlife. I'm Ashley Sanchez. Aaron Keller is here with me on Zoom. And this week, we also have our habitat biologists, Mark Freeze and Caleb McAdoo. Welcome, both of you. I feel like this has been a long time coming. We've wanted to do a podcast with you for a while.
0: Yeah, Yeah, thanks for having us. Awesome to be here. Good morning, Ashley.
2: (laughs) What did you say?
0: i said good morning
2: and this is once again the challenges of we've been having it on zoom so excuse any delays or technical errors we might have um but the reason we were talking about it we're in the middle of fire season which our habitat division has a big role In playing especially after the fact with fires in the habitat rehabilitation so we thought it'd be timely to bring you guys on but let's start off with just talking about what you guys do as habitat biologists in both of your roles with endow um, mark do you want to start
3: yeah thanks Ashley so we wear many hats Um, basically the the states divided into three regions Caleb works in the Eastern region, Brad Hardenbrook in the Southern region, and I work in the Western region. But we do several things, uh, technical review, reviewing NEPA, providing input to BLM uh, counties, etc. cetera. Uh, we work with water development program, setting up and building guzzlers for, for wildlife. Uh, we have a mine program we do uh, where we permit mines, um, write them industrial artificial pond permits, uh, so there's a series of things we do. Another element uh, is wildlife habitat improvement projects. So we work to fence Springs, uh, protect those for wildlife resources. We also do wildfire rehab, and I think that's the focus of today's discussion. Um, we've done uh, a lot of wildfire rehab over the past decade. Uh, and we want to play a, a large role and fill some of the gaps that exist uh, in the current system
2: awesome so um, we so then Caleb so you are in our western region correct and then you said it's divided into three regions and then so your western is that correct. how that works
3: yep correct and Caleb's eastern and Brad Hardenbrooks the southern region
2: got it and then I think people you know they think about Department of Wildlife so they think of the game division. Um, fisheries, but habitat is a crucial division in all of that because wildlife can't survive without the habitat. Could you talk a little bit about that?
3: Yeah, that's correct. So I mean the agency does a lot of different things for wildlife and our focus is habitat. So we work to kind of protect and preserve the habitat that exists out there as well as enhance and rehabilitate stuff that needs some improvement. That's kind of where that wildfire rehabilitation piece comes in
2: gotcha and Caleb do anything to add to that or as far as what you do over in eastern region
0: yeah I mean like Mark touched on you know we have very similar jobs just in different parts of the state and you know depending on where you're at in the state you have different challenges and and different opportunities that these jobs provide um, you know, we, we have a different industries in the northeast part of the state uh, that, that drive our economies than, than maybe, you know, Washoe County may have or Clark County and things of that nature. Um, but like you touched on, habitat kind of touches everything that the department does, whether it's fisheries or game or non-game you know, diversity type uh, resources that the habitat division works with the land management agencies and the private landowners too. We, we work across all lands to try and uh, conduct beneficial projects that, that are ultimately going to benefit uh, the natural resources that the wildlife and fisheries of the state of Nevada.
1: Yeah, and I think it's, uh, to me, it's interesting. Your guys' positions are, unique in that at any moment you could be or any day you could be doing, you know technical reviews or permits or you could be out running an auger or you know, planting seed or I mean your jobs are, are pretty unique in that way
2: yeah
0: yeah I mean diversity is the spice of life right so we're uh, we got a, a pretty spicy life here in the habitat division and and it's pretty cool uh opportunity to be able to like you said you know get out on the ground and actually do do those on the ground projects um, and then there's the whole other piece of the the puzzle that you talked about that the that some would view as the less fun stuff but they're it's very much important on contract administration to get large-scale restoration activities on the ground and you know doing NEPA review to comment to make sure we have adequate practices in place to protect wildlife and uh, things of that nature so yeah you never you never quite know what you're stepping into um each each day but uh, it's usually something different than the day before
2: that's cool very lucky position to be in i like that mixing it up all the time um So as you said, I think we've had, well, obviously we've had Alan, who's the division administrator before we've talked to him about different projects. We've had our guzzler crews on the ones that build the, basically the man-made watering holes around the state for animals to use. But um, we wanted to bring you guys in today to talk a little bit about fire rehab and that, and even fire prevention a little, we are involved in that a little bit. Um, Just especially with it being that time of year while, you know, we're seeing wildfires pop up everywhere. So could you explain Endow's role in fires, um, whether it's the prevention or um, after the fire, the rehab of it?
3: Yeah, so we generally, we do some prevention stuff um, coordinating with with our partners um, and we'll do, help put on green strips and pinyon juniper removal projects and, and strategic features in the landscape to help break up fire fire pattern to, to keep the fires from getting so big. And so we do uh, participate in the planning process and the implementation of prevention. Um, but largely, probably our biggest role comes into place uh, post-fire during the rehabilitation phase. Um, I think we've spent close to seven million dollars over the last seven years and that's endow funding sources that's ngos uh got to give a big shout out to the ngos like nbu um they've been a huge funding partner the mines nevada gold mines participated by providing funding dream tag uh there's a there's numerous funding pots we tap into to get the projects done and i think last year there was close to 32 different pots of money we reached into and spent close to $2.8 million on fire rehab.
2: Wow. So, could you explain exactly what fire rehab is? What exactly you do when it comes to um, rehabilitation?
3: So, post-fire, we generally engage in the uh, planning process. Typically, Since 86% federal land will engage with federal landowners and help plan what projects need to be done. Basically, we'll go out and and look at the ground, uh, assess the wildlife priorities for the area. Uh, And generally we can't treat everything nor does everything need to be treated. Uh, But we really look for those opportunities that are high priority wildlife values, as well as uh, a need from kind of a, a habitat perspective and where we could be most effective um through that planning process there's some short time windows there's a seven day planning window and a 21 day window the the federal land managers have to get their plans in by to get funding um, out of that it sometimes takes a while for the washington office to uh, assign dollar amounts and, and where their priorities are and uh we kind of wait on some of that planning process to play out and strategically moving some of our funding um based upon their plans to to fill some of the gaps
2: okay so could you give us some specific examples of um you know where that planning leads to like some of the actual projects you guys are doing
0: i I could jump in there um you know i would say a, a really good example of leveraging partnerships and monetary resources and uh things of that nature for fire rehab like mark touched on would be the the martin fire um 2018 uh the largest fire that's ever occurred in nevada um you know that that project burnt across not only not only multiple blm districts but uh multiple counties and the complexity, you know, of a, of a fire that large is, is tremendous, not only from the initial attack that the wildland firefighters have and uh, dealing with a fire of that size and crossing jurisdictions when you're talking, you know, almost 100 miles in length when all, said, when all was said and done. Um, but, but then the complexities on the back end, like Mark was talking about, of the actual restoration. And so, you know, we, it was a huge opportunity to partner up with uh, private landowners, uh, industry partners that, you know, Mark mentioned, like, like Nevada Gold Mines um, and our NGO partners. And, you know, those, those resources, those financial resources translate into activities like drill seeding, and, you know, uh, which is essentially taking tractors with, with big um, drills behind them that drill seeded into the ground uh, for, for restoration and aerial seeding, broadcasting aerial seed on the ground. We do aerial herbicide treatments to control cheatgrass to allow our seeded desirable species to have a, a, a higher chance of uh, survival and germination and um, so those dollars really translate into those on-the-ground activities um, to, you know, capture the capture the, st- the site and uh, really create habitats that are going to be uh, functioning for for wildlife.
1: And yeah, we... I think, it's, uh, oh, sorry. I, um, so when you say drill seeding, I was just thinking that you guys are basically farming on like a lot, or farming on a large scale by doing that. You're you're running those tractors I mean, days on days on days to try to get seed in the ground with those discs, right? So for anybody listening, if you've seen a farmer with like a disc behind him, he's disking his field, and you guys are doing that, but you're going on the mountain.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it is kind of a simplistic way to think of it as, you know, we, it, but it is very similar in, you know, farming, Uh, type practice out on the range for uh, rangeland restoration you know when we have these systems that have been dominated by annual invasives like cheatgrass it takes a lot of energy input back into the system to get out of that cycle and try and get desirable plants that wildlife rely upon Um, and so it takes you know takes those activities just like you're talking about you know you're using the the planes helicopters and tractors to kind of facilitate these activities and try and get ahead of that.
3: Yeah really what we're attempted to do is kind of we go out and assess what the vegetation community is and what we expect it to be post-fire and if there's an opportunity we step in and try and give it that initial nudge in the right direction so that it will be providing wildlife habitat values and Three years, ten years, twenty years down the line, um, you know the drill seeding is one component. We do aerial seeding as well. Um, really, the the terrain and topography and availability of resources dictate uh, what goes where. Um, generally, your rangeland drill is going to be more successful, but it's limited to you know flatter terrain, uh, terrain that doesn't have a lot of rocks in it. Um, but we've got various contracts set up, both aerial and ground-based. We own three drills, rangeland drills. And so we'll contract a lot of that work out, um, as well as we'll contract the, the labor out for the BLM when, when they struggle to get it done. Uh, an example would be last year, or 2018, following the Martin fire, BLM had a, a big, long furlough, a couple-month furlough, and they had 20,000 acres of, of extra seed. To get done and so we stepped in and we used one of our state contracts to fill that need and get that seed put out on the ground.
2: Wow lots of work goes into it and I want to get more into this right after the break but we're out of time for the first half but we will be right back you're listening to Nevada Wild if you enjoy listening to our podcast leave us a review on itunes and soundcloud for more information on hunting fishing boating and all things wildlife go to endow.org now back to the show Welcome back to Nevada Wild. Today we are talking about all of the work that our habitat division does. We are talking a lot about the work they do when it comes to um, fire rehab and prevention projects. And right before the break, Mark, you were explaining um, how when the shutdown happened um, for the government and all the furloughs, a lot got put onto Habitat's plate. And it's not just you guys at NDA, but all these different agencies that work together to try and get these different projects done. Could you explain that a little bit more?
3: Yeah, so uh, we basically, out of that Martin fire, we had planned on the uh, west side, we had planned 16,000 acres of treatment. and We were actively implementing those. Uh, drills going, we had planes going, helicopters going. And uh, when the federal government shut down, uh, BLM had 20,000 extra acres of seed to put out and they asked us to step in. And that's where some of that contracting that Caleb talked about comes into play. We're, we have contracts set up so we can move very quickly. We're very nimble with our contract process and as an agency, and we could fulfill that need quickly and timely given some of the, the federal government constraints. And then um, another tact we use is is aerial herbicide application so herbicide across uh, vast acreages and Caleb's done a really nice job with the agency uh, purchasing chemical ahead of time to be ready in time so maybe I'll defer to him for that conversation.
2: Caleb do you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Yeah I think you know kind of the common theme here is that you know we're all we're all on the same team when we're when we're in this battle if you will and you know it doesn't matter if you're you know with the BLM or the Forest Service or INDA or a private landowner we we all have similar goals and you know wanting to rehabilitate these these range lands and so so we draw draw on each other's strengths and opportunities as we tackle this and one of our strengths like Mark talked about is our ability to be nimble and the funding cycles with some of our federal partners like BLM they don't line up necessarily really well with the needs of uh, an activity like aerial herbicide application so one of the things the department has done recently is that we have uh, started purchasing herbicide well ahead of the fire season. And, and again, this herbicide. Uh, f- frankly, I'm not a I'm not a chemical guy. I don't I don't love chemicals. They freak me out. Um, but it's one of our most effective tools in combating this issue of invasive annuals. And so we've we've purchased these uh, this herbicide in bulk ahead of the fire season. You know, usually in the neighborhood of around 25,000 acres worth uh, equivalent. Uh, to treat. And and that allows us to get the essential timing that we need to be effective on the landscape. And that's something that, you know, our federal partners might not uh, otherwise be able to do. And so that's been a real, real big success in, you know, the last three years um, that that we've really been able to leverage. And, you know, again, I mean, leveraging leveraging our resources, you know, on the other end of the things, you know, the federal partners have uh, tremendous financial reserves to buy seed. And so we can partner on projects, you know, something that we herbicide this year, you know, the state might pay to pay for the chemical and pay for the application. The federal partner then would commit to reseeding it the following year after a, a fallow. And so all the all the partners really complement each other. You know, Mark touched on the NGOs earlier. I mean, whether it's MBU Reno, uh, Elko Bighorns Unlimited, Nevada Checker Foundation, Carson Valley Checker, uh, Wild Turkey Federation. I mean, you know, and I'm and I'm missing partners. I mean, we just it's a tremendous, tremendous effort. And those NGO dollars are so valuable. Um, because we're able to leverage them and match them to uh, larger grants that we have.
2: Yeah, I like how Aaron you put it during the break. It's one habitat, so I mean, it really does take all of these agencies coming together to, you know, help that habitat.
1: Right, and and that's that's kind of the key takeaway. Is there's only one, there's only one Nevada, right? So there's the we're hanging on to the the best habitat that we have, and when a fire does go through um you know everybody has the same goal they want to see it come back as as fast and as best that it can maybe caleb how so when say a fire does go through what's the process that you know we would start with you know we're do we start with the herbicide every time or is that a unique no we would use that
0: no so i mean i just just this week um you know we we had a fire come through last week here in elko county and just this week we had a a a fire tour with again with the partners you know the the grazing permittee was there private landowners agency personnel the federal land management agency personnel department of wildlife game biologists habitat biologists to to look at that fire, look at burn severity, you know, was it a, a really hot burn um, drawn or knowledge of, you know, what uh, plant species were there ahead of the fire? You know, was it dominated by cheatgrass? Was it a very intact system that, you know, was dominated with perennial desirables, you know, and and what we do and, you know, what's the elevation, what's the precipitation like? and what we do in in those areas are completely different so it's you know in that fire using that as as an example there were portions of that fire that we anticipate are going to come back very well on their own because there weren't uh there wasn't a domination by invasive annuals and um you know the perennial understory was in really good condition and the and the severity of the fire was low so it burned kind of cooler other portions of that fire were the complete opposite it burnt really hot there was a lot of invasive annuals um you know in and around this this pj and so that's when the discussion changed from okay now we need to take a more active management uh stance on this portion of the fire and we start talking about you know being being aggressive in our actions you know what does that look like does it look like using herbicides does it look like maybe using some non-native desirable species like forage kosha or uh, Siberian wheatgrass, something that's gonna hold that site and, and kind of break that fire cycle and provide some uh, forage cover to wildlife species. Um, and so it's, yeah, that what we do totally depends on the site potential, the soils, the precip, the elevation, and then we triage that like Mark was kind of saying earlier you know because we have limited resources we can't treat every acre that's out there nor should we nor do we need to and so we try and triage prioritize and find those acres that are really critical to wildlife that also need need some help to get back to a a more productive uh, stable state for for wildlife.
1: Right yeah I think that's that's a great way to put it i I've been through some of northern Nevada where, to me, it kind of looks like it might need a fire, right? It might need some clearing, but so some, some fire is not a bad thing, and the mosaic that comes from it is you not know, always bad, but we've had some some giant fires lately that uh, have made you guys earn your paychecks, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they actually kind of to that point, you know, that's a, a bit of a maybe a discussion a further discussion but they do refer to that as the big squeeze where you have portions in these upper elevations that you know frankly some of that stuff needs to burn um and then you have this you know this lower elevation stuff that's burning too much and so you know we, we do have we do have that problem and you know you know since the 1950s the severity intensity and size of fires has just grown and grown and grown and uh you know there's a lot of reasons for that
2: it All is right. just oh sorry were you going to say something oh, right. Right. well just when you look at the state i mean it goes to show why you have different divisions that deal with the different projects and deal with the fires in different ways because when you look at the state it is i mean northern compared to southern um compared to eastern it's just it varies so much the different habitat so i could see how I don't know. It's just interesting to hear how one fire impacts different areas differently, and like you even said, some places actually need the fire. So it's very interesting. What were you going to say, Keller?
1: Oh, I just—I mean, I know we're talking about fire today, but these guys, you know, their job is so diverse that fire restoration is just a portion of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's just interesting how much knowledge they have about habitat and. How, and where they're located, these guys know, I mean, they're the experts on what is in their region. And I think it's just it's cool to hear.
3: Yeah, and we we rely upon the biologist, right? And coordinating that input and finding where those priorities exist. And then we kind of combine that with our knowledge of, you know, range ecology and plants to figure out where those opportunities exist and try and marry the wildlife priorities with the opportunities where we can make a difference. Um, and it does take a, a lot of coordination, but we do spend a lot of time on wildfire rehab because you think of the, the acreages and the threats following fire of invasive species like cheatgrass. Uh, it's probably the, the biggest threat you know that the state holistically has in the largest portions of acreages we deal with. So we spend a, a fair amount of time, money, effort in this arena uh, just because it is a, a huge Huge priority for us and a huge benefit to wildlife if we can get those uh rehab implemented at the, the right place, the right time, um, and and really important to, to help further see Nevada's wildlife resources into the future.
2: Exactly. And we're actually almost out of time for the podcast. So is there anything, since we are talking about wildfires today, any tips you guys want to give to the public? I know you're more the biologist behind. Um, All of this, but anything you want the public to know while they're getting outside just to try and prevent fires and help that habitat.
0: I would, I would just chime in on that and just say that, you know, vehicle fires, uh, fires, you know, that have started from vehicles are becoming more and more common. It seems like in Nevada and elsewhere. And And there's various reasons for that. You know, be cognizant when you're driving through dried grass. I mean a lot of it's common sense, but just just be, uh, be aware that it takes very little uh, effort to start these fires and some you know some vegetation caught by your catalytic converter or under your skid plate um, can really be an issue. You know something as simple as dragging trailer chains, you know your safety chains on your trailer down the highway, you know those sparks i mean that's that's started uh, several fires in nevada and so you know make make sure your chains are up off the ground make sure your skid plate, plates are cleaned up and then you know think twice about driving into some of those real uh thick uh, grassy areas when it's hot and dry and of course always pack a shovel and and some water is is a good uh countermeasure
2: really yeah. good information oh sorry mark <laughs>
0: And I'll just add to that, I mean, follow
3: um, the, the, the regulations that are out there when there's fire closures. Don't don't be having campfires, using fireworks, uh, shooting in the right place. Um, all those things, you know, that we can prevent the human caused fires, which are on the rise, uh, is, is very helpful and will help further our resources. And I'll just give a, a shout out to BLM. They do contain about 97% of fire starts and keep it under a uh, hundred acres. So they do a good job at suppression, but uh, stuff does get away and the arid, so it could burn and burn large large acreages. And those are particularly challenging to, to try and rehab just the amount of resources that go into that. Um, I would also give a shout out to uh, some of the researchers like Ag Research Service. They've uh, done a good job at helping us with the technical aspects and, and guiding um, the the nuances um, of what we should be doing out there. So that helps much appreciated as well.
2: Lots of good information. I appreciate both of you guys coming on. It was about time.
0: I'm surprised you're able to pin us both down at the same time. That, that is a feat in and of itself
2: that's during why fire I was like, season. I'm going to send this calendar invite and see what happens.
1: We've, we've gotten really good at guilting people. Yeah. You guys aren't, aren't you know, nobody wants to volunteer to come on here, but you guys are great. That was great information. And uh, yeah, we're happy to have you guys.
3: Yeah, no, thanks for putting it on. Because I think wildfire rehab is like one of the biggest threats uh, or wildfire in itself is one of the biggest threats and where we can have some of the most meaningful influence, uh, on wildlife. Um, so I think it's a a really important topic.
2: Awesome. Well, thanks again. And thank you everyone for listening. That does it for this week's Nevada Wild.